Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. God cares about the individual. God cares about the person. And God had no problem with the disciples walking through the field and taking some heads of grain and rubbing those in the palm of their hand in order to eat the fruit of it, so to speak. He had no issue with that because, well, they're hungry. They needed food. David was hungry. He needed sustenance. He needed something to eat. And so it was allowed. So it was allowed. Have you ever been so tied up in red tape that you actually wondered, is the thing that I'm trying to accomplish even worth it? How much bureaucracy can you really take? Besides, who writes these rules anyways? In today's message, Pastor James tells what Jesus thought about the red tape that the Pharisees put around the Sabbath. You see, in Jesus' day, they had taken the day of rest and they turned it into a day of stress. They took what God meant as a benefit for man and they turned it into a burden. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark, chapter 2, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. in the Gospel of Mark, continuing on in chapter 2, and we're just going to read through this text, and then we'll jump right into the explanation of it, verse by verse, and uh, we're going to look at the subject matter considering the Sabbath. So, let's, uh, let's go ahead and read through this. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off the heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days and when days when Abathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of the bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people, not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. All right, so interesting little interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees concerning the actions of Jesus' disciples. So we're going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to get right into this. So Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this Thank you so much for the Gospel of Mark uh, and this new adventure we are embarking as we're going through the book of Mark, Lord, just chapter by chapter and verse by verse, and seeing all, Lord, just how you uh, ministered here on this planet, and uh, Lord, the various things we can learn from just your example, and we thank you for your wisdom, and Lord, how you uh, caused us to press into deeper waters concerning your word and understanding. And Lord, I pray that you guard our hearts from becoming like Pharisees, Lord. And uh, Lord, just blinded to the heartbeat of your law and your word, Lord Jesus, and just making everything about our lives a a to-do list and to check things off. And Lord, may that not be true of of us and our just uh, pursuit of you, Lord, and just walking with you. And so we just pray that as we 
just go through this portion of scripture, Father, that you would just speak to our hearts. And um, man, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you so much for your sacrifice for us, dying on the cross and raising from the, from the dead, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So as we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, through chapter 2, we last uh, looked at a discussion about fasting and you know, the subject matter came up concerning a question from the Pharisees of why don't Jesus' disciples fast and, and all that good stuff. And, and Jesus addressed that issue concerning fasting and why fast when the, the groom is present. He actually replied in verse 19 there, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them, but someday the groom will be taken away from him from them, and then they will fast. And he even goes on to talking about the why put an old patch uh, or a new patch on an old white skin. It's going to rip away and you're going to lose the wine. And Jesus is really causing not only the Pharisees, the ones who have issues with him, but he's also instructing his disciples and to look a little bit deeper. And a lot of the laws that the Pharisees would accuse Jesus of breaking, they only could ever see the surface of these things. And Jesus had a way of uh, causing them to look deeper into the law, below the surface. And, and the issue will come up a little bit later concerning even the issue of adultery. And they would, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the religious leaders would uh, just consider it, you know, it, it's, they were free and clear of adultery because they had never physically engaged in sexual conduct with the female who wasn't their spouse. So they always viewed it as that, but Jesus caused them to look at it even deeper, the intent behind that law. And he says, if you look at somebody with lust, you've broken that law. And it's the same thing with murder. I've never physically murdered anyone, but Jesus says, but if you hated someone within your heart, then the same is murdering them. So he's always kind of like bringing to light the true meaning and heart behind the law. And that's what we have here with the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a major deal with the Pharisees. And we see the Sabbath was uh, first, it was first introduced to us in when the very beginning, God created everything in six days. And on the seventh day, he caught his breath, right? He rested. And, and thus setting an example for us to follow as well. And then we see it in, in the book of Exodus, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 6. It says, remember to observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy. You have six days each way for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So we see that introduced there to this new covenantal agreement between God and Israel as they have been rescued from Egypt And so God's laying down this, and and then, of course, throughout, you know, the rest of the, you know, within Exodus, and you got Leviticus, and mentions within Deuteronomy as well concerning the Sabbath, and the fact that God had, you know, placed it as one of his commandments, he was really providing that as a blessing for his people, 
And that was always the intent, was that it would be a blessing for the people. And the Sabbath, the fact that Sabbath was made for man, and man was not made for the Sabbath. But where we find ourselves in today's story, and historically, the Pharisees and the religious leaders had turned that around. And it was no longer that Sabbath was made for man, but in fact, they viewed it as man was made for the Sabbath. And they would go so far as to making up all these extra things and trying to define what exactly work meant and what you could do and what you couldn't do on the Sabbath. And we know that the intertestament times, technically, you know, in our Bibles are broken down Old Testament, New Testament, and the Old Testament ends with Malachi and begins with the Gospel of Matthew. And so we'll just use those as our two reference points there. But the intertestament, in between those time periods, is when a lot of these extra rules came into play. I know within the Mishnah, I think there's some 39 extra rules that were put into place concerning, you know, defining what work is on the Sabbath and what's not considered work on the the Sabbath. A lot of splitting of hairs within not just the Mishnah, but a few other religious books that were put into play. So during that intertestament time is when a lot of these things, like you can only take this many steps per day and turning on and off a light switch, you know, that's like things like that. And they became real just restrictive. And the Sabbath was no longer a day of rest, really became almost like a, a day of like stress. And it even stresses me out to even think of all the restrictions that one would have to hold to concerning or according to the religious leaders. And uh, there was no freedom there. There was no freedom at all. And here's Jesus and his disciples as they are just cruising along through the Galilee region. It says, on one Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. Okay, so they're, they're walking around in these grain fields, going from point A to point B. And at this point in time, maybe the disciples are hungry, need a little nosh, a little snack. And they begin to pluck grain heads and rub them in their palm and so that they could, you know, separate it and then eat uh, and enjoy it and get a little snack. And the Pharisees who were walking with them, uh, and these guys were always telling Jesus and his uh, followers because they're always trying to catch them in some sort of trap, right? Like they're observing him. Uh, they're already starting to not like him and not appreciate him. And so they're, they're looking for ways in which they can build a case against Jesus and his disciples. And here it is. So they think that his disciples are what they would say they are harvesting. They are harvesting grain by simply just rubbing a few uh, heads of wheat in their palms. They classified that as, well, that's working. That's harvesting. And all they're doing is simply plucking off a few heads of wheat and they're just enjoying a little snack on their journey. And so they see this, and now they're going to confront Jesus about this. It says, the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? So, I mean, as soon as they take note of this, as soon as they see this, they immediately confront Jesus concerning the actions of his followers. 
And they go so far as to say, why are they breaking the law? Why are you as a rabbi allowing your students, why are you letting them get away with breaking the law? They're harvesting grain on the Sabbath. They're not allowed to do this. And again, this is just a, another just a misunderstanding of what the law actually was saying, was intending, and it was due to their their blindness brought on by just the spiritual pride and arrogance that they had. And they're totally missing all these amazing things that Jesus was doing. And they would miss all the stories because they were always looking at ways to, like, get Jesus. And so now here's their opportunity. So they think, right? Like, it just blows my mind. It blows my mind. I mean, even just thinking back to the beginning of chapter 2 where he heals the paralyzed man. Man, how they just missed those stories and how just the very fact that the Messiah was in their presence, was in their presence. And uh, even, you know, pronounced in that story in the beginning of chapter 2 where he, he lets this guy know, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, who can forgive sins but God alone? And he's like, well, to prove to you, who I am, then he heals this guy. He tells him to, you know, to stand up. And this guy jumps up, rolls up his mat, and, and walks on out. And they get to see this beautiful, amazing miracle take place. And yet it's not enough for them. They're still looking for ways to get him. They still got to get him. So Jesus is going to respond to them in a classic way. Uh, we see this quite often, especially through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, this would be a common way that he responds to them. It's also a good way for us to respond to any critics that may approach you within your life and just concerning your walk with Jesus. They may have questions or they may bring to you some accusations concerning your faith and maybe things that they see or they misunderstand and this is a good way for you to be able to respond to them. Now, the only thing is that Jesus knew the word of God. It is his word. We as believers ought to be in the word of God as well and have a, be growing in our understanding of the word of God so that when maybe questions come to you concerning your faith or accusations come to you concerning your faith, as we will find in these days that continually grow darker because we believe that Jesus is coming back soon. But the way that he responds is it's just classic. And he says to them, haven't you ever read in the scriptures, right? So, you know, he doesn't pull up any commentaries and he's not going to pull up any other, you know, extra biblical rabbinical sources, you know, rabbi so-and-so stated this. Rabbi so-and-so once said this. Like, he's not going to do that. He points them right back to the scriptures. Haven't you read in the scriptures? And in our, like, our conversations with individuals, we may not say it in that way, but we would say, like, well, let's go back to the scriptures. Or have you ever seen this verse? Or this story from the Old Testament? Let's go back to the scriptures. And that is a very wise way for us to handle questions in conflicts. The New Testament lets us know you, you need to be ready. You need to be ready to give a defense for what you believe. You need to have a good understanding of this book that should be of the utmost value to you and I within our lives. 
And so when questions arise, questions about, you know, submission to government and mandates and things like that, like, can you point people back to the word of God? Should we just do what they say all the time? Well, is what they're asking of you, is it contrary to God's word? Well, if it is, well, do you know where to go back into God's word to show that I must obey God? I must obey God. It's important for us to have, you're never going to have a complete understanding of the word of God, but you should have a growing understanding of the word of God. And so Jesus says, have you not read? Have you never read or haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when his companions were hungry. Now, this is an interesting little story that he's going to point them back to, which is just fascinating. Because really, you read through the story and you're like, well, I don't think this mentions the Sabbath at all. And so are we talking about the Sabbath? But back in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 1 through 9, I'm going to read this story to you guys just so you can understand because Jesus references it. Now, his audience would automatically know this story. They would be familiar with the story of David and his men and Abathar, the high priest, and this interaction that they had, okay? So as David is on the run from Saul, verse 1 of chapter 21 of 1 Samuel, says, David went to the town of Nob to see Ahimelech, the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he saw him, Uh, And he asks him, he says, why are you alone? Why is no one with you? Verse 2, the king sent me on a private matter, David said. He told me not to tell anyone why I'm here. I have told my men where to meet me later. Now what is there to eat? Give me the five loaves of bread or anything else you have. So here's David, and he goes to the priests, to Ahimelech, And he needs food for his men. He needs rations for his men. And he knows he can go there, and there should be something there for him and his guys to eat. Okay? So he's looking, he's asking for loaves of bread or anything else that they would have. Verse 4, he says, we don't have any regular bread, the priest replies. But there is holy bread, which you can have if your young men have not slept with any women recently. Right? And so if they've kept themselves pure, okay, So that's his requirement. He's like, we have the holy bread, and you can have the holy bread as long as your young men have kept themselves pure. Verse 5, David says, don't worry. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, by the way. It says, don't worry. I never allow my men to be with women when we are on a campaign. And since they stay clean, even on ordinary trips, how much more than on this one? Since there was no other food available, the priest gave him the holy bread, the bread of the presence that was placed before the Lord in the tabernacle. It had just been replaced that day with fresh bread. So now Doeg, the Edomite, Saul's chief herdsman, was there that day having been detained before the Lord. David asked Ahimelech, do you have a spear or sword? The king's business was so urgent that I didn't even have time to grab a weapon. He says, I only have the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the Valley of Elah. The priest replied, it is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. Take that if you want, for there is nothing else here. There is nothing like it, David replies. Give it to me. 
So David escaped from Saul and went to King Achish of Gath. But the officers of Achish were unhappy about him being there. Isn't this David the king of the land? They asked, isn't he the one the people honor with dances and singing? Saul has killed his thousands, David his ten thousands. David heard these comments and was very afraid of what King Achish of Gath might do to him. So he pretended to be insane, scratching on doors and drooling down his beard. Finally, King Achish said to his men, you must, must you bring me a, this madman? We already have enough of them around here. Why should I let someone like this be my guest? So this is a crazy story as David is on the run and he needs food. And, you know, this show bread, the bread of the presence, I mean, it wasn't meant for David to eat. Okay, that wasn't the original intent. But however, within the story, here's David and he needs this food. He needs substance. He needs something to eat. And the high priest consents to it and he, he lets him have it. And he, he sees no issue with it. And they only, again, the only caveat was have your young men kept themselves clean. And they had. And so Jesus is using this story to communicate to the Pharisees that, you know, let's not miss this. You know, let's not miss the intent behind some of these things. And God cares, God cares about the individual. God cares about the person. And God had no problem with the disciples walking through the field and taking some heads of grain and rubbing those in the palm of their hand in order to eat the fruit of it, so to speak. He had no issue with that because, well, they're hungry. They needed food. David was hungry. He needed substance. He needed something to eat. And so it was allowed. So it was allowed. And Jesus is using this story to frame into thought like, this is the point of the whole thing. And they've placed the laws and they've placed the regulations and really the extras that their heroes, so to speak, have added to all of the laws. Those things were more important to them than the individuals themselves, although they were still kind of hypocritical in their adhering to these laws themselves. I mean, they didn't, they didn't follow them exactly as they demanded of everyone else. But I love how Jesus just brings them back to the word and he, he uses a very familiar story concerning David and how he was able to partake of that bread and God didn't strike him down. God didn't curse him. Uh, he wasn't killed for that or, or anything like that. He needed the bread and the bread was there and the priest gave him the bread. Again, he uses this story to highlight the fact that Sabbath you know, going back to this story in, in Mark chapter 2, Sabbath was meant for us and not us meant for the Sabbath. The intent behind it is, is that of rest. There's also some thoughts behind that, that it's, it kind of signifies us trusting him as well. And there's just, there's behold, all this beauty behind the Sabbath. And and I know it looks different for us these days. And what technically is a Sabbath for New Testament Christians? Like, what does that look like for us? Should we celebrate this? And as sundown on Friday, you know, should we just shut everything down, you know, for an entire day? And you can do that. That's fine. And really the wisdom behind it is if you work six days a week, you should take one day to rest. 
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken. You've been listening to Pastor James Grizzle as he teaches through the book of Mark, one of the accounts of Jesus' time here on earth. Though it's short, this book is powerful as it's filled with encounters that Jesus had with people, everyday people just like you and me. And the book of Mark reminds us that Jesus came to serve. He humbly did what needed to be done, even if it wasn't glamorous. Jesus healed the people who were sick. He spent time with the lonely and the rejected. He loved the unloved unconditionally. And then he proved his love by the ultimate act of service. He gave up his life for all of us. He took the place of every person on the earth, and then those to come, because we all deserve death. Our sins make us unacceptable to God, and we're unable to do anything to fix it. That's why we need Jesus. Today, if you haven't allowed Jesus to be your Savior, please consider it again. If you have questions or would you like to talk more with someone, then please take a moment and go to breadforthebroken.com and click on Contact. Just fill out the form and we'll be in touch with you. You can also come visit us if you're in the Galveston area. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston, and we meet every Sunday and Thursday. So find out more at breadforthebroken.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Next time, Pastor James will pick up where he left off in the book of Mark. So make a note of where we are and make plans to join us next time, here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, babe.